This week in KMA Land, we look back at some of the big events that happened in KMA Land in 2023 through our Project 2023 series. I'm Ethan Hewitt filling in for the vacationing Mike Peterson as we put a bow on the year that was 2023. We'll be started by looking back at perhaps the biggest story and controversy of 2023, the continuing debate over carbon capture pipeline projects in KMA Land. Mike Peterson reports. Throughout the year, Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express CO2 pipeline was a major topic in meetings all across the region. In January, the Shenandoah City Council took no action to rescind Mayor Roger McQueen's veto of a resolution objecting to the proposed pipeline stretching almost 700 miles across western Iowa, including counties in KMA land. Approved by a 4-1 to vote at its December meeting, the resolution also opposed the use of eminent domain in acquiring property for the pipeline. Both supporters and opponents stated their cases in the project. Opponents challenged Summit's safety claims. Marty Maher, who owns property near Imaging, says the proposed pipeline carries the risk of a mass casualty incident if it ruptures. You've got a new assisted living facility going up out here on the west side of Highway 59. You know, if you had a school that close to a pipeline, you'd have to have mandatory evacuation plans at least a couple times a year. That happens in other cities in the state of Iowa where they have a pipeline next to a school. You have to have mandatory evacuation programs. You're going to have to do that with the assisted living. You've got to protect the citizens of Shenandoah. That's whom you were elected to protect, not Summit Carbon Solutions. However, Ski Executive Vice President Greg Connell urged the council to support the pipeline and not listen to opponents' comments which he claimed were intended to scare council members into opposing the project. We're not scared people. You ran for the city council because you care about this town. If you want this town to continue to grow, if you want to make sure that your grandkids have an opportunity like we did to grow up in this great community, it's important that you do the right thing. And the right thing is to support the Summit Carbon Solution Project, which supports Green Plains, which supports the farmers. 50% of the corn in Iowa goes to ethanol. You eliminate ethanol in Iowa, what do you do to the farm economy? In late February, the Montgomery County Board of Supervisors held a long-awaited public hearing on the ordinance regulating pipelines carrying hazardous liquid materials. Vicki Rossander, a former member of the county's Planning and Zoning Commission, said the ordinance is designed to protect the county's citizens during the pipeline's construction phase, completion and operation, and decommissioning and removal. She says it also addresses what is required from pipeline companies to prepare the county in case of a rupture. Please don't let the pipeline company tell us that that ruptures and accidents never happen regarding the transportation of hazardous materials. Every day we are now witnessing on our televisions what is happening in East Palestine, Ohio. We can clearly see that hazardous chemicals are transported over vast areas of the country and spills and ruptures happen. And there is never such a thing as being overly prepared. Eric Welch is a pipeline engineer manager with Summit Carbon Solutions overseeing the project's construction in Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Welch said his company is already under tight state and federal pipeline regulations, and the county's proposed ordinance would, in effect, stop the pipeline's advancement into Montgomery County. We understand that counties have questions and concerns. The representatives from Summit Carbon would be happy to meet with those representatives of the county to answer those questions. However, Summit does not believe that the ordinance is appropriate as a matter of policy, and more importantly, we know that it would conflict with both state and federal laws. By unanimous vote, the supervisors tabled the first reading. 
and in July the ordinance was placed in limbo until further notice after the supervisors approved a motion not to take action. Supervisors Chair Mike Olson says a sentence on page 36 of the ruling clearly sums up the board's decision and that the county has no home safe rule on interstate pipeline projects. Upon balancing these interests, this element supports Summit. Defendants may not pass unenforceable ordinances in a roundabout attempt to undermine valid federal and state law. And that pretty well sums up what, what Judge Rose had took 36 other paper, 35 other pages to, to come to that conclusion. In late August, the focus of proponents and opponents alike shifted to Fort Dodge, where the Iowa Utilities Board held its marathon evidentiary hearing on Summit's application for the proposed pipeline project. During the hearing's third week, Summit Chief Operating Officer Jimmy Powell faced intense cross-examination from Omaha Attorney Brian Jordy, representing landowners opposed to the pipeline project. After Powell confirmed that the project's purpose was to generate a profit for Summit, Jordy asked, who benefits from the pipeline? If we're doing a balancing analysis as between your proposed project, which is, as you just admitted, for the profit of applicant, you would agree that, in effect, the tie should go to the runner here, which would be the Iowans that are opposed to this project. Well, I think the benefits are more than just Summit Carbon. The benefits are to the ethanol plants their workers, and the farmers who supply corn to those ethanol plants. It's the profitability of, of the ethanol plants that's at play here as well as their contribution to the economies in their, in their counties, in their communities. Mayher was one of the more vocal critics testifying at the hearing. Marty Mayher's family owns 332 contiguous acres encompassing three parcels of land near Imogene and within range of the proposed pipeline. Mayher says the pipeline's proposed path is less than 300 feet from his residence and less than 200 feet from grain bins. Though none of his family members are living on the farm, Mayher adds they're actively engaged in farming at the site. In emotional testimony, Mayher expressed fears of dangers posed to family members from any potential pipeline rupture. There is no way I will ever agree to that pipeline in the location that it's at. I've been offered a lot of money. I don't care if I get a dime. It's not going to be fair. As the year 2023 drew to a close, the IUB had yet to rule on Summit's application. One major development took place in December when Chief Justice Stephanie Rose of the Southern District of Iowa issued an order preventing Shelby and Story counties from enforcing ordinances they adopted after two companies proposed building carbon capture and sequestration systems carrying CO2 from ethanol plants and other facilities. In our next Project 2023 report, Ethan Hewitt will look back on some of the major developments in Page County the past year. Mike Peterson reporting. Well, and meanwhile, in Page County, changes will float for the Board of Supervisors just a few days into the new year after former Supervisor Chuck Morris submitted his resignation effective January 4th. Well, the resignation also came just days after newly elected Supervisor Todd Maher began his first term on the board. First elected in 2016, Morris won a second full term on the board in 2020. Morris cited increasing rhetoric and vitriol as reasons for leaving. The last Three years has been pretty difficult uh, with all of the uh, controversy and the vitriol in our communities over the wind issue. I really didn't see a, a peaceful path forward, and at my age and uh, with my desire to, to be a servant, uh, I didn't see that as 
the best opportunity. So my wife and I uh, collectively kind of talked things over and decided that uh, now would be a good time to uh, exit the uh position of supervisor district three one week later the board voted to fill the vacancy by appointment prompting a committee consisting of county auditor melissa wellhausen county recorder brenda assias and county treasurer angie dow to select morris's replacement per iowa code well after asking interested individuals to apply by january 24th they chose former county auditor judy clark while serving in the page county auditor's office and as auditor from april 1987 until her retirement in 2011 clark says her her time as county auditor allowed her to work closely with the previous boards and bring experience to the current board. So I was in with them um, during all of their meetings, all of the time. Um, when I first started, we used to have two meetings a week, and then it went down to one meeting a week. But, um, of course, during budget time and everything, it was a lot more. So I was with, with them all of the time. So I think I um, had a good um, a good take on, on what the supervisor's duties are. And with the new board in place, work quickly resumed on ongoing efforts to put forward a bond issue referendum to construct a new Page County jail, with County Sheriff Lyle Palmer urging the board in May to resume regular jail committee meetings and discussions with the Board of Supervisors. Palmer says the push came after a lack of a jail committee meetings in recent months due to the conditions of the current facility that is also shared with the Sheriff's Office. I truly believe different conversations I've had with the people that make the decisions that if we go stagnant on this, we're going to be closed. That jail is in 1936, and there's a lot of things in there that have not been updated. Well, Palmer outlined a long list of maintenance and safety issues with the current jail, saying the staff has been placing band-aids over tourniquets to keep the old jail operating. Well, the board had tabbed Samuel's group to assist with initial layout and sketches of the new jail in 2020, and in July they presented a $16.7 million bond issue that would finance the construction of a 19,700-square-foot facility housing the jail, sheriff's office, and 911 dispatch on the county farm on the south side of Clorinda, just off U.S. Highway 71. Well, after the county officially set a vote for November 7th, an information blitz began, including a series of public meetings put on with Samuel's group and a website allowing residents to input their parcel numbers to determine the bond issue's tax impact and learn more about the need in the proposal. Well, the issue ultimately passed, securing over 68% of the vote. In other developments, the county also took the initial steps of declaring emergency medical services essential in the county, on Iowa law passed in 2021 allows counties to implement a tax levy of up to 75 cents per thousand dollars valuation with the funding going toward EMS services in the county. Well, in October, the board unanimously approved a resolution declaring EMS essential. With Supervisors Chair Jacob Holmes told KMA News is the first step in a multi-month process. Our decision in this is not is just whether or not it should go on the ballot so that we all agreed that it, it's okay to go forward with talking about it, having public hearings, and see what people think. And then if, if at the end of that, possibly putting on a ballot for March, and then the voters deciding whether or not they would like to support this effort. However, Shenandoah EMS Director Ty Davison informed the public during a town hall in December that the election would be delayed until November due to some publication snafus, which has since been corrected. Well, still to come on this week in KMA land, we'll hear more about the year that was in Shenandoah and several communities throughout southwest Iowa. And welcome back into This Week in KMA Land. Well, the city of Shenandoah dealt with its fair share of issues in 2023. Let's hear more about that from Mike Peterson. Shenandoah City Council dealt with its share of major issues in 2023, including the sale of a former grocery store lot. 
By a 4-1 to vote in April, the council approved the sale of city-owned property at 301 West Sheridan Avenue to Michael and Kendra Weston for $4,250. The Westerns proposed constructing two or three-bedroom duplexes at the site of the former Sack and Safe property. Kendra Western outlined the project to the council. We were looking at originally a 12 to 15 unit apartment building with garages behind and then parking lot in the front. We're also looking at some plans for duplexes to be placed all around that block with yard. It would allow them to have backyard and then like a little deck area. Synergy between the city and Shenandoah School District led to a major step aimed at improving school safety. In August, former Atlantic Police Chief David Erickson was hired as a school resource officer. Erickson served the Atlantic Police Department for more than 25 years, the last five as police chief. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program, Erickson reflected on the number of youth-related programs implemented during his tenure with Atlantic PD. One of them was like the kids camp out where we take kids during the summer for three days, two nights, all expenses paid from free will donation. We took these kids out camping to show them that, you know, cops were, were good people. And, and, you know, we worked with them on that. We did was it five to eight-year-olds, I think, or six to eight-year-olds for the zoo trip where we took them to the zoo for a day. We did Halloween programs. We did Christmas family deals for Christmas time and also shopped with a cop. Just numerous little things like that. Council members also tackled the delicate issue of water and sewer rate increases. In June, the council ratified 1.5% increases in water rates each year over a three-year period. At a May council meeting, City Water Superintendent Tim Martin cited numerous reasons for the proposed increases, which are a continuation of similar hikes the past three years. Among the reasons, debt service from the $12 million water plant operating since 2017, eight water wells pushing 50 years of service, development of two new wells, water tower maintenance and equipment costs, among others. Martin also cited increased water treatment costs, including lime used to soften the water. Other surrounding towns, they treat the water, they make it safe to drink, and they make it so it protects the uh, the lead inside the, the pipes, it keeps it from corroding, it, it provides corrosion control. But we soften the water from, let's say, 200 parts per million down to 100 parts per million, so you don't have to have a softener. It makes your laundry easier to uh, clean, it makes it softer, uses less soap. City Wastewater Superintendent Tom Fouch says the 11% increase in sewer rates the first year and 10% hikes the following two years were necessary in order to construct a new wastewater treatment facility. Fouch says the existing plant, constructed in 1963, was nearing the end of its useful life. Obviously, we know nobody, including us, wants to raise our water and wastewater rates. But unfortunately, we are at a time that we must, with the new regulations, that the Department of Natural Resources are requiring from us. And we have to change our treatment process on the wastewater side. There was other sobering news regarding water in Shenandoah in 2023 in which the council approved a series of water rationing steps due to continuing drought. After first approving Stage 1 water rationing steps, the council elevated the water restrictions to Stage 4 in November, pleaded. The year 2023 saw progress on two major projects in Shenandoah, including the Shenandoah Senior Villa Apartments. 
Speaking at a Shenandoah Chambered Industry Association annual banquet in July, Ski Executive Vice President Greg Connell credited Kester Construction Company officials with rapid construction progress since the project's foundation was poured in early April. Once completed, the 8,000-square-foot building would house 40 units for residents aged 55 and up. Connell says the complex will help meet the city's housing demand. You know, we've always talked about housing and how difficult it is. Uh, you know, whenever you talk about companies coming to your community, the first is, do you have enough housing? And, you know, housing is a tough, tough subject. You know, it's truly a Goldilocks business. The interest rate has to be right, the price has to be right, and the jobs have to be there. So we have the jobs. The interest rates are not working with us much at this time. But 40 units uh, will, you know, 40 of these senior units will open a number of units in Shenandoah. And progress was reported in November on the renaissance of a venerable Shenandoah building, the Johnson Brothers Mill Building. But those who LLC owner Margaret Brady, who is spearheading the building's renovation, says workers have completed numerous tasks in the continuing project. The tuck pointing, remember tuck pointing is where they move out that little bad concrete that was falling out or cement in between the, the tiles and they put new in the parapet, which is the area around the top, quite a bit had been broken away. They replaced all that. They cleaned the building and got rid of what they called biogrowth, which was the stuff that made it look like it was crying down the thing. And then they treated it with something to prevent that from happening again. In our next segment, we'll look back at major developments regarding wind turbine projects in KMA land. A reminder, every Project 2023 segment is available online at kmaland.com. Mike Peterson reporting. Well, and also plenty of other communities throughout southwest Iowa tackled some significant issues in the past year. All others also dealt with the fallout from findings in a report from the taxpayer's watchdog in Iowa. Well, that was the case with the city of Hamburg. After State Auditor Rob Sand released his office's annual report in January, revealing 15 findings, including conflict of interest concerns. Well, the first involved a community catalyst building remediation grant agreement the city entered into with the Iowa Economic Development Authority totaling $400,000 to assist in recovery from the 2019 floods. Well, Sand says over $230,000 of those grant funds went to Hamburg City Council member Kent Benefield, setting up a conflict of interest due to the city not establishing safeguards from city employees, consultants, or members of a governing body from using their positions for or the perception of private gain. After the flood hit and after the grant was awarded for the cleanup of some properties. He then purchased those properties. And so knowing that that was going to be heading, uh, knowing that that grant work was going to be available uh, with those funds from the state. Well, during field work, Sand says it was also discovered 50 of the nearly 465 water meters in the city's water system did not work. However, at that time, he said there was no policy in place for the city clerk to use in calculating the usage and was instead basing the charges off of other households of similar size. Meanwhile, economic development efforts were boosted in Clarenda after the city council backed a resolution entering into a general fund loan agreement not to exceed $145,000. Well, the agreement assisted in purchasing 21 acres of farmland on the south side of town on U.S. Highway 71 for the Clarenda Landing Industrial Park. City Manager Gary McLarnon told KMA News that the loan agreement would cover just under half of the nearly $320,000 total cost. They wanted 
an $175,000 lump sum payment up front, and then the remaining $145,000 they wanted us to make payments on over the next five years at 6% interest. The $175,000 lump sum, we can go ahead and, and make that payment, but because uh, the $145,000 will be paid over the next five years, we have to consider that debt uh, for the city. Additionally, the Clorinda Council has a couple of new members heading into 2024. After former Councilman Matt Ridge submitted his resignation in October due to a career opportunity that would keep him from fulfilling his council duties. Ultimately, the council appointed for the vacancy and selected Todd Reed, who was sworn in during the council's December 15th meeting. Oh, and the Stanton community also saw an economic development boost after the Montgomery County Board of Supervisors approved the final plat to the Stanton Industrial Park subdivision in March. Plans call for developing the land located near the intersection of Highway 34 and Holland Avenue. The first planned occupant for the park, the Stanton Child Resource Center. A wet weather didn't stop supporters from breaking ground on the child care provider's new facility in July. SCRC Board President Sheila Mainquist told KMA News at the ceremonies that the project grew out of the need for storm safety for the children the facility serves and as the demand for child care in the community outgrew their current building. This effort began when we were really concerned about storm shelter for our children and so we spent a lot of time trying to figure out the ways that we could put something into our f current facility. And then we ended up getting more and more children, and it seemed like maybe we needed to expand and put you know, a storm shelter in that new facility. Well, when completed, the 11,000-square-foot facility was served an additional 49 children. And just across the county in Red Oak, another workforce need was a major topic of discussion, housing. While the Red Oak City Council spent much of the second half of 2023 reviewing a proposal from Studio One Townhome to construct 33 market-rate rentable townhomes on the north side of the city near 4th Street and Ratliff Road. Additionally, the city approved taking additional action on entering into a general obligation loan agreement, authorizing the city to borrow up to $3.7 million, most of which would provide the public infrastructure for the new housing development, including street, water, sewer, storm sewer, and sanitary sewer systems and sidewalk improvements. Well, the city had pledged the funding to assist the developers and receiving a workforce housing tax credit for the nearly $6 million project and to invest in the city's housing stock. During a December meeting, Councilman Tim Friedhoff said expanding the city's housing by over 30 rentals was an opportunity they couldn't pass up. When an opportunity like this falls in your lap, you don't let it pass by. We didn't seek this out. They sought us out. And if they see something in us that they think this works, I that's a great thing. Not just for the city, but for the whole county. They chose the property. Chose the property. You know, we didn't dictate yeah. any of this with them. Well, meanwhile, high-speed fiber internet is coming to Glenwood soon after the city and Mills County backed an agreement with Western Iowa Networks financing the $500,000 startup cost to bring the fiber optic technology inside city limits. Well, the agreement now allows Western Iowa Networks to install the necessary infrastructure, which they plan to begin in 2024. Mills County Supervisor Richard Crouch told KMA News that broadband has become a significant selling point for people to come to the city and county particularly with their rural location near the Omaha metro area. We're not looking at making huge dollars off of this, but it sure would help the total county. You know, if you sell your county, you can stand and say, we're fiber optic sound. We, we have it everywhere that 
you know, available for people. Yeah. And that makes a lot of difference when it comes down to people or businesses coming to town. Well, and also in Glenwood, Mayor Ron Cohn submitted his resignation to the city just weeks after being re-elected in November due to personal matters. Well, Cohn was first elected mayor in 2017 when he was a ride-in candidate. Also, in addition, we used our Project 2023 series to cover the city and school board elections, the list of school bond issue votes, wind energy developments in KMA land, controversies with the Sydney Council, and the year and weather. You can find all of our Project 2023 segments on our website at kmaland.com, where you can search for that in the upper right-hand corner of the website to recap everything news in 2023. Well, that wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. Well, Mike Peterson returns next weekend as we swing into 2024. And for all of us on the KMA News staff, I'm Ethan Hewitt. Have a great week, a weekend, and a great 2024.